You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Because of your relationship now with Jesus, when your lot in life goes south, it's dry, it's desert, it's lonely, you fill in the blank. You ask the Father. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But the water I offer you will become wells from deep. This life is full of deserts. You're going to wander through periods of time where you feel dry and like you're ready to collapse and give up. Being in a spiritual desert isn't wrong. Jesus spent his fair share of time in the wilderness. Where we go wrong is digging down into ourselves to find the sustenance we need. In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage us to drink from the well that never runs dry. Place your trust fully in Jesus and he'll provide for you through those dry times. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Joshua, chapter 15, as he begins his message, Faith to Go Further. studying the book of Joshua. And the theme of Joshua uh, is, well, it's going into the promised land, something a whole generation never experienced. The other side of the Jordan, where the grapes are bigger, the oranges, the, uh, everything is bigger. And uh, it's a place of blessing. It's not heaven. Because if it were heaven, there would be no more battles to fight. Somebody wrote a song about crossing the Jordan and on the other side it's heaven. But, you know, technically they're unbiblical. The other side of the Jordan is not heaven. It's the place of blessing. There's still battles to fight. And what does it mean to be blessed? Uh, I think last week, I think we mentioned James, and I'm just going to throw these out before we get into our text. Uh, But James chapter 5, we consider blessed, referring to the prophets who went before us, who suffered in life. In lots of ways. We consider blessed those who persevere. And then it says Job, mentions Job, and how uh, he was blessed despite the perplexing things he went through in life that still today uh, there's not, at least to me in the book of Job, but not a sufficient answer as to why God allowed all he allowed in Job's life. It wasn't because of his personal sin. But in the sovereign plan of God, he allowed Job to suffer. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you because you're a Christian. When they insult you, when they exclude you. Blessed are you. So on the campus, 
Uh, when you feel like you, you're being treated the way you are, and you are being treated the way you are because you confess Jesus. Guess what? As bad as that feels, you're blessed. You're blessed. Uh, First Peter. And uh, boy, how practical this is. First Peter chapter 4 tells us verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You're blessed. And then one more verse, and there's lots of verses I could share on this. It just, I just want to give this as a kind of an opening to where we're headed today. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13 in the end of time as we know it on this earth before Jesus returns, as things go from bad to worse to hellish, it says, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. There will be those that because of their faith in Christ end what's known as the great tribulation, and they will suffer martyrdom. And yet they are blessed from heaven's perspective. Now, last week, we learned some great lessons from an old giant killer, Caleb. And if you want to be blessed in crossing the Jordan, uh, you have to face the giants in your life. So being blessed is not necessarily always feeling good. It's not necessarily always physical health. It's not that everything's going okay as you would consider it to be okay. It's just that you are in the will of God. And that you are facing your enemy, and because you face your enemy by faith, like Caleb, even at 85 years old, he's slaying some giants in the name of the Lord. So we learned some lessons. Caleb, by faith, defeats a giant named Arba, renowned as the greatest man among the Anakites, and the Anakites were a tribe of giants. Now, we pick up today chapter 15 of Joshua and verse 1. Now, you've got to really engage here. You've got to pay attention to really get what's here. And I don't usually tell you, I probably should, but you ought to read ahead in our study. Read ahead before you come to the church meeting. But there are things here, as I mentioned last week, you pay me to spend a lot more time than maybe you have to spend on the text. And so you may read it. And you may not get exactly what I get, and that's not because I have more wisdom than you necessarily. It's just that I spend more time on it. But tremendous, tremendous lessons here today. Joshua chapter 15, verse 1. The allotment for the tribe of Judah. Now, the allotment, that's their inheritance in the land of promise. And everybody has their own lot in life. And you might not like your lot in life. Remember there, end of John's gospel, uh, John and Peter. And Peter says to Jesus, after Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And so Peter's concerned about God's will for John. And Jesus is saying, wait, you don't need to be concerned about his lot in life. What about your lot in life? And, and you accept your lot. And don't worry about his lot. 
So the allotment for the tribe of Judah, Caleb's tribe, this is Caleb, his tribe, clan by clan, extended down to the territory of Edom, to the desert of Zin, in the extreme south. That's one of those verses that you go, I got to read that through that quickly. It doesn't mean anything to me. But it, it, it should, if you have time to really stop and think and meditate on it like I have. Let me read it one more time. The allotment for the tribe of Judah, clan by clan, extended down to the territory of Edom, to the desert of Zin, in the extreme south. This is when your lot goes south. You say, you got that out of that? I could have got that out of that. I know. Judah's allotment was in the extreme south. It's also known as the Negev. And there's one characteristic of the Negev. Well, a couple of characteristics you might want to know. Uh, you know what they are? It's very deserty. And it's very hot. Because it's this region, there, it's a place of dryness. And that's important for our study. And you'll see that I'm not making this up in just a minute. So the allotment, the lot in life for Judah, for Caleb, these guys, in the extreme south, not just the south, the extreme south, down in the Negev. It's hot, it's dry, there's a bunch of sand, but there's no beach. Chapter 15, verse 13, in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out three, the three Anakites. These were well-known giants, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Deber. Verse 16, and Caleb said, I'll give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Now, first, first you want to, when he says that, you want to get a look at his daughter and decide if you want her or not. <laughs> Otherwise, why go to battle for her? <laughs> now, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So he looked at her and said, ah, yeah, she's all right. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. Now, this is interesting. Othniel, like his father-in-law, is a giant killer. When you get to the book of Judges, when Israel turns away from the Lord and God, as he did over and over again, as they repeatedly turned away from the Lord and they cry out to him and he'd send a deliverer. Well, early on, when they turned away from him, one of the first deliverers, if not the first, was Othniel. He became one of the judges that God used to deliver Israel. He's a giant killer, like his father-in-law. Verse 18 of chapter 15. One day when Aksa came to Othniel, she urged him, now her, her husband, to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? And she replied, do me a special favor. Since you've given me land in the Negev, dry, extreme south. Give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Now, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but let me just pause for just a minute before we move on and say here is the father, Caleb, 
the daughter, the bride, Aksa, and she's married to a warrior, a deliverer. That'll preach. I'm married, and if you know Jesus, you're married to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ, and he's a warrior, and he's our deliverer. And because of your relationship now with Jesus, when your lot in life goes south, it's dry, it's desert, it's lonely, you fill in the blank. You ask the Father. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But the water I offer you will become wells from deep eternal life. One of the first things you learn in this text is you hit a dry time. If you really have a relationship with Jesus, go to the Father. He'll give you what you need. He longs to give you what you need. Our relationship with the Father is the key uh, and, of course, you can't have a relationship with the Father without a relationship to Jesus. Now, a little side note, and we are going to move on. Psalm 66, verse 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If my relationship with my Father or my Deliverer is not what it ought to be, the Lord's going to say, well, you know, I want to give you what you need, but you don't understand the dry time in your life is directly related, perhaps, perhaps, to something you need to do. Maybe you went south from the Lord. Now, one of the great mistakes the Israelites made in the land of promise was, well, let's just read it. Chapter 16, verse 4. So Manasseh and Ephraim, the descendants of Joseph, received their inheritance, their lot. But you get to verse 10 of chapter 16, and here's what it says. I've underlined this whole verse. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gezer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. Chapter 17, verse 11. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh also had Bethshan and all these cities. Then you get to verse 12. Yeah, the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However... When the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor. They made them their slaves, but did not drive them out completely. This was a huge mistake. It's compromise. When you do get to the book of Judges, and let me just read Judges chapter 2, because of this compromise that they did not correct, you read in chapter 2 of Judges, the angel of the Lord, that's Christ, went up from Gilgal and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I'll never break my covenant with you and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you've disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. A thorn in your side is a constant irritation. And a snare keeps you from advancement. Are you with me? Constant irritation and you don't move on. No more advancement. Compromise, one definition is accepting standards lower than desirable. Now I have a question, very important question. Why do they compromise? 
Why did they allow the enemy to remain in their territory? When the command was drive them out, break down their altars, destroy them. Why they compromise? Several possible reasons. When you compromise, it means you no longer have to fight that particular battle. Now, we're not talking about people that have not made a commitment to the Lord. We're talking about people who've crossed the Jordan. They've experienced the blessing of God. But now, in order to go further, the enemy has set up a stronghold. And here's an area, here's an area where, where it's going to take something. The enemy's not just going to say, oh, oh, yeah, God gave it to you. Here you go. No, no, no. They are determined. And hell plans and schemes. Well, they made it this far, but we're going to stop them here. I mean, they they made the decision to go back to church, but we're going to make sure they don't get really blessed. You don't have to fight that particular battle when you compromise. You say, I made this decision or that decision, and I have have come somewhere. I've advanced. I've gone further. But now, if you're going to keep going further, more battles to fight. Let me tell you another possible reason for compromise here. Listen to this one carefully. They benefited from making the enemy forced labor. They benefited. I thought about this one. The boyfriend doesn't know Jesus. He's religious. But you know. You know in your heart of hearts, he really does. He's really not saved. And maybe he even comes to church with you. Or are you flipping around? That girl, she, yeah, she, she believes in God. But you know in your heart of hearts, she really doesn't know Jesus. But to totally break it off, that'd be hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be like plucking out an eye or cutting off a hand. Uh, that would be, that would be real. Or that'd be a sacrifice, wouldn't it? And yet that's what God wants you to do. And you make a decision, yeah, and maybe you've fallen. Maybe, maybe it's been an impure relationship, and it's easy to do. I mean, we're human. It's easy to do. But maybe you say, now, now, I'm just going to put things under control. And there's the forced labor. You let them stay, and you say, I got it under control now. And you benefit because you don't have to sever the relationship, but you've compromised. You cut back on the drinking, but you don't get of all the you don't get rid of the excess liquor in your house. So I'll just cut back. You're going to limit the number of pills you take, but not the limit. You're not going to limit what you have access to. You're going to determine you won't go to that site anymore, but you're not going to confess it to some other brother or sister that can hold you accountable. That's compromise. You're not really serious about it, and that's, that's compromise. I'll tell you another reason I thought of. Some people, some people now, it doesn't fit the text, and yet it's not a violation of the Scripture. Some people are just satisfied with as far as they've come. Well, I made this decision. We're going back to church, and you know, we made some right decisions, but uh, wait a minute, though. You really want to just stop there and say, well, this is okay right here. We don't want to go any further. Don't want to get really radical about this Jesus thing. You know? I mean, we're back in church and believe in God and believe in Jesus, but I mean, we don't want, to, you know, don't want to go too far. And some people are just satisfied. 
Even Paul the Apostle. I mean, you talk about a guy uh, that's an example, example of a follower of Christ. And he even said, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, what a statement to be able to make. And yet notice what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3. After, in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him, like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And then he says, verse 12, not that I already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What was that? To be like him in every way. The goal is perfection. I understand. I understand we won't make it until we see Jesus and get a body that doesn't have sin dwelling in the members. But that's still the goal. You don't use that as an excuse and say, well, I know I'm never going to be perfect until I get there, so I'll just take a toke. Because you don't understand. I need it. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to give you one more thing I thought about as to why compromise. Why compromise? And here's one more thought, and maybe you'll think of more. They became convinced that they couldn't go any further. I mean, this is a place the enemy has a stronghold, a stronghold. And I have met people, and they go, I don't have any control over. Now, there is some truth there because pornography, pornography can grab you and the sin of pornography can grab you and it will hold you. It will hold you. And not just that sin, but that one, very powerful, very powerful. I mean, romance is powerful too, isn't it? I mean, you're in a relationship, you're in love, but it's not a relationship that's honoring to the Lord and you know you're out of the will of God. And yet, man, it's so powerful. I understand that. I'm human. And some people are just convinced, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't win this. I can't go any further. Joshua chapter 17, verse 14. Right after, when the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. And then verse 14. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, we, we've, we have, why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We're numerous. And the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Now let me paraphrase that. You haven't given us what we need to really be blessed. This is the land of promise. You have not given us what we really need. How are we going to go any further? You haven't given us what we need. And here's the answer. Verse 15. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest. And clear land for yourselves there in the land of the Parasites and the Rephaites. Now, folks, pause here a minute. Let me say something. This is classic Christian counseling 101. They come and they say, we don't have what we need. And they come to Joshua, their pastor, if you will. We don't have what we need. And Joshua says, wait a minute. Well, okay, then go here and do this. And here's the answer. Verse 16, the people of Joseph replied to the council, the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots. In other words, 
that's an inadequate answer. And by the way, how are we going to go up against iron chariots? We can't do that. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message from the book of Joshua again, or hear more from Pastor Danny Hodges, simply visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. As you make your way through the Bible, you might be surprised how something you read hits your heart exactly where you're at or what you're going through. God's Word has a way of doing that, and it's unmistakably God's way of speaking to you. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God over the radio, even if they weren't intending to. Pray that listeners would be open to hearing the gospel message. Pray also that we would continue to seek God's will for this program in teaching the Word and reaching the world. We'd also like to ask you to pray about supporting The Living Word financially. If you feel led, you can find a way to do this through our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for your support. Thanks for praying, giving, and listening here on The Living Word.